I'm, uh, I'm just going to speak over the mic, but um, the, the, the volume doesn't really need to be much louder than, than, um, than conversation um, volume. I, I, wanna, I want to um, look this morning, and I think the Lord wants us to consider being a community of faith. Um, and there are a few things that, are, that I'm going to mention, which might be more than what you can remember. So if you've got some writing device, please make notes. That's usually one of the things that I'm saying when I preach. But I am going to mention a few things. I just, I just quickly want you to help me. Um, you need to speak to me. Say, Kasi, speak slowly. Kasi, speak slowly. Come on, thank you. Don't say too much. Thank you, thank you. Use small words. Use, use simple language. Okay. Okay. I'm speaking all those things which I'm struggling with. So trust with me that we won't go there. Because the Lord is not complicated. He makes that which is like, like the eternities. He makes it accessible for us. So um, the, being a community of faith. So my title this morning would be Being a Community of Faith. And then sort of the subtitle lessons from the centurion and from those who, who know their bibles you already know like sort of which direction this is going and it's not about keeping it a secret we want to look at the centurion um who who was uh, as described as hey this this has got somebody who's really got great faith and jesus actually was amazed by this man's faith and, and we want to be those people right we want to be those who amaze god in the way that we that we believe um so so we want to be a community of faith, but I've just, I've just sort of considered why would we want to have faith, you know? What does, what is, why would the Bible say? So anybody, why would we want to be a people of faith? Why would we, why would we need faith? We, we please God by faith, so we can't please God if we don't have it, right? So to please God. To fulfill His purpose, we won't be able to do it without faith, Good. Why would we want faith? <laughs> it's, it's, we will need it. <laughs> yeah. And it's a way of relating to God. You know, it's, it's a language that He speaks. Faith is, is something which, which to some extent was lost in the garden. We are looking for something. It's like, this is the missing link, you know. This is like, does the shoe fit? This is the, this is the sandal. This is the, what the queen will be wearing. Yeah, if, you, if we're thinking, oh, what's that? What's that? What's that? Cinderella, okay, Cinderella, who, who, will, who will be the, the queen, like, you know, it's, does the, does the shoe of faith fit us, we were designed for it, um, it, is an, it is a way of accessing the provision of God, it's a way of being the friend of God, since so Abram believed, and he was accounted as a friend of God, to some extent, his faith brought Abram to a place where God said, will I do something without telling my friend? I want to discuss it with him. That's, it's like by faith we attract the favor of God. And Romans 1.17 says the following. This is the way the righteous will live. The righteous will live by faith. And by, so it's really like this, one of the majors in the Bible, one of the majors of the kingdom, one of the things that we want to major in. So faith, hope, and love. We've got a major on them. 
Because the Bible says these three are eternal things. Now, um, faith is beautiful to God. Faith amazes God. Faith is attractive to God. Um, and we want to be a people that, like, you know, um, when, a, when, a, when a wife wants to present herself beautiful to her husband, she maybe will dress something that he likes or maybe put on some jewelry, some makeup, some, maybe, she will maybe decorate, maybe, but she makes herself beautiful. If we want to beautify ourselves for our husband, for our bridegroom, faith is one of the things. Which you, that's the necklace he likes. That's the, that's the shoes that, man, it just does it for him. He's attracted to it. And here in Paul, we don't just want to be a number, a statistic. We, we don't just want to be like, okay, there's another church, you know. We don't just want to be, we want to attract heaven's attention. Are we, are we, are we there? Faith is a way of doing that. And we want to be those where, where, where God says, I haven't found such faith in South Africa. Like, man, this is amazing. I really want to hang out there. Okay, are you with me? Are we on the same page? Do we, do we share this? Okay, so let's, let's, we're going somewhere. Now, faith is a, is a sort of a broad word. So it might be that if Jack says faith, Eugene says faith, and Dirk says faith, the three of them don't exactly, mean, they sort of mean something similar, but it's not exactly the same. So, for example, Henny might say the faith of people, but he means like what a Muslim would have, it's his faith, and, and, a, and a Jehovah Witness would have his faith, and, and it's like a belief system, okay? That is true to some extent, but it's not the faith that we're speaking about this morning, okay? And then, then we might have, um, I, I, I can't think of another good example now, but, but the faith... Um, that, that, that I'm speaking, oh yeah, unfortunately I wrote it down because I can't think, hey, can you imagine I wrote it down? So faith is also not just the belief of a truth, okay, so this all uh, is part of VIU Bear Primary School. It's not, that's not the faith we are speaking about. It's not like um, today it will be cloudy in Paul. It's like, it's a, it's a fact we know it, we believe it. That's not what I'm speaking about. This faith that we're speaking about is more than knowing a fact. It's more than a belief system. It's something different, okay? And it's not the product of the human spirit. We cannot generate it. We cannot make it. We cannot, like, try our best and then we, then we have it. We didn't have it, now we sort of go to our kitchen and we produce something for the Lord. Lord, I bake this thing for you. So the faith, it's none of the above. Um, the faith, uh, Jonathan Conrath, he mentioned something on one of his recordings. He said the following, the faith of God is a product of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. So whatever faith is, it's a, it's a godly thing. It's, it's something which comes from the Spirit of God it's, some, it's a supernatural thing that comes by the Word of God. It is something that is godly, which He puts in us. It's a gift that He comes to give. And, um, and somehow, it's, it's a deep-seated conviction that changes or determines our behavior. It is, it, is, it is something on the inside where we're convinced about something. All right? And, and it's probably a conviction on where God stands with regards to a subject. It's like, 
I really believe that God, if, if, if he would be here right now and he would give a verdict on what the issue is, say whether we should do the park run or not. I mean, I'm taking an example. They, 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 in our hearts, there will be a conviction of, I believe this is where God would stand with regards to this issue. And I'm gathering myself on his side. And, um, and so, so faith is something we need to receive. We can work with it. We can neglect it. We can be faithful with it. We can increase it to some extent as we are faithful, but we can't make it. All right? So there are things which we can sort of look after, but it needs to be given. We need to receive. Okay. Now, Hebrews 11.1 1 says the following. Um, it says that faith... There's a try. Um, it, it speaks about faith being a legal document, okay? So he, he Hebrews 11.1, 1, many of us might know it well, but I'm just reminding us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The, the Greek word um, speaks of a title deed. A title deed is a paper that, that, that gives you ownership of something. Uh, a normal title deed would be ownership of a property. But, for example, um, we went to, uh, at some stage, we were at Tafelberg Mebelierders. And their system was like this. You buy something, you go to, to the counter, you say, I'm buying, whatever you're buying, washing machine. Okay, washing machine. They don't give you the washing machine. They give you a paper. They say, here's your proof of payment and paper and whatsoever. Go to so-and-so, and there you will get the washing machine. This is what faith is. It's an entitlement. It's a legal document that speaks of something that you're not having in your hand, but you legally own it. And we, and we need it to access things which God has for us. So you can't go to the warehouse of God and say, I want it, if you don't have the proof. And therefore, it's evidence. It's evidence. It is not a, a wishful thinking and a, I'm trying my best to hope in something. That's not what it is. It is an evidence. It is substance. It is, it is, it is that which goes before. Um, maybe it could be, uh, we could call it, it's the foundations of the things that are to come. Okay, so if we would want to build this hall, the first thing that we would do is we, we, we would put a foundation and then we would build on it. And that is what faith is in the spiritual realm. Everything we see, the whole, the whole galaxy, the universe, hangs on faith. It is sustained by the faith of God. It was made by faith and the word of God, the very same things that he's giving us to, to work with. All right? Um, and the chairs that we're sitting on is there. It's, it, they are being sustained by a word of God, not because God said chair, but because he created substance. That, and it's sustained. We, we formed it into this, but, but, it's, but, it, but underlying the spiritual thing is this thing which God is pointing us to. He says, this is the way you are going to live. You live out of an unseen reality into a seen reality. Therefore, the righteous shall not live by sight, but by faith. It's something that we have to understand. Who wants to understand it? Are, are you still with me? Am I, am I losing you? Was this too complicated? No, we still, we still. Okay, please stop me. Please ask me, please. Uh, this is family, right? Come on. So um, it's, a, it's a way, faith is a way in which we access our inheritance. So um, if, if, if my dad would pass away, then hopefully he's got a will that says, my son must get the 
whatever. The car, right? My son must get the car. If I go to the, the, the people who, who, who manage the, what's the boodle over here? Estate, okay? The stuff. It's the easy word. If I go to those who are, who are, who are, who are deciding, okay, the car goes here, the house goes there, the, the, the piano goes here, and so If I go to those and I say, my dad said um, the car needs to come to me, they will say, where's the proof? That's, you can have it, but where's the proof? And then I, hopefully I will pull out the will and say, yeah, my dad wrote it, he signed it, here it is. And they say, sure, here are the keys, let's go, go for it. We have got an estate. That's why it's a New Testament. We've got an estate of things that God has prepared for us. Um, but we need to have the proof, and faith is the proof. It is the substance. So if you're wondering why the estate hasn't come your way, is maybe we haven't gotten hold of the will or the proof. We need a copy. And somehow the copy is on our inside. The copy is here. It's, it, it, it comes out in what we say. It comes out in how we behave. But it's, it's something on the inside. We have to find it to get what God has prepared for us. And, and to some extent, I think there will be this huge estate which God has for us in the age to come. We, there is still an age to come. Are we on the same page? This is not it. Okay, this is just the prelude. This is just the intro. The estate is still to be. Right? But I think many of us will not walk in everything that the will provided for us because we're not receiving it somehow on the inside. We don't go and get the written document on our heart. And, and, and so we want to somehow say, God, how does kingdom work? Um, to some extent, faith is, is a... What's the rank? Rank? Rank. Authority. And faith is a form of authority in the kingdom. And, and I think to some extent, that the faith that we access on earth will, will somehow set us up for eternal levels of authority. It's an important thing. And um, here, so the question is, who wants the movement of God? Ah, wait, 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 wait. Here I need to, here, here I need to explain quickly. Um, who knows that a car whose engine is running, I mean, I switch on the engine, and here the, the engine goes. I've got a nice, nice Lamborghini. Um, it's got a, I don't know what they put in Lamborghinis, V8 um, or whatever. It's, it's a powerful engine. The engine is running. But who knows that that Lamborghini is not necessarily moving. Are you on the same page? Okay. I don't know enough of the, of the, of the insides of the, of the gears and the clutch and so. But my, my, my mechanical brothers will bear me out that, that something needs to connect the engine to the wheels before there is movement. My understanding is it has something to do with a clutch plate and, and, and plates that have to, gears that need to get linked. But the bottom line is we can have lots of noise without any movement. Lots of potential, no movement until we engage, until we put in gear and suddenly we've got lots of movement. This is what faith does. There's a kingdom with lots of potential, lots of power. But in your life, there might be no movement because there is not an engaging. We've got to engage the potential. We've got to engage the power. We've got to switch into gear. 
And faith is something about that clutch plate. It's something that we have to engage in. Okay? Does it make sense? All right. Now, who wants more movement in their life? I want to move according to the, to the movement of heaven. I, I want to break through in things that I've never broken through, access the promises of God, like, like live in that which is potentially out there, and I need faith. So I want movement. Who wants to be engaged with heaven's engine? I, I presume everybody. That, who wants to be lucky? No, okay, here goes. Lucky is a, is a worldly way of speaking I'm blessed. You know, you know, it's a, it's a different word of saying, um, listen here, good came my way. I was walking down the street. There was this huge accident. I should have been killed. But miraculously, the car hit the curb and leaped over me. And, and here I'm, it's like, hey, I was lucky. No, you were blessed. You were, but I'm using the word because it's something we, we can associate with. That blessing is something God wants us to walk in. Now, does it mean we will never have adversity? No, that's not what I'm saying. Will, it, will we understand everything that comes? Uh, uh, that's not what I'm saying. But what I do say is we can walk in more of the blessing or in less of the blessing, and we need to decide on which side of that coin we want to be. As for me and my house, we want to be lucky, in inverted commas. I mean, I mean like, if there's just... If just one, one, one opportunity, 10 people, I want to be the guy, you know? If, if there's a competition, they're handing out a, a vehicle, I want to win the competition, you know? Okay, I, I don't want to go in the prosperity. Uh, I must take other examples now. If, if, there's a, if there's a bug going around and just one person will be healthy, I want to be that guy. Hey, you're lucky. No, I've accessed something which Christ paid for. By grace, by faith. It's something which we have to understand. It is, it is something that's available and something which God responds to and without which it's impossible to please Him. Are you, are you with me? We've got to understand how, how to access that inheritance. And, and, and it's this thing where, where I'm thinking like, we want to hear God say, wow, I've never seen such beautiful faith. All right, let's get into the real thing. Centurion. So we're going to look at the centurion, the way he related to Jesus, um, and, and we're going we're gonna to compare our faith to the centurion's faith and say, am I like that? Okay, tick, I've got that. Am I like that? Mm, maybe not. I need adjusting. Am I like that? Oh, my hat. I need to adjust. So, so everybody of us will have a different way that grid fits over us. But let, let's adjust ourselves to someone of whom it was said, he's got great faith. Can we do that? So make it personal. Where do I need to change concerning this? Let's read together. This is Centurion. It's Matthew 8. And Jesus is entering this town called Capernaum. And a centurion, which is a Roman soldier, it's like the enemy, right? Jesus' enemy, his people's enemy, one of the main guys, came forward to him, appealing to him. So he's pleading. He says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he, that's Jesus, said to, the him, said to him, the centurion, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word, 
my servant will be healed. I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. So, so that four obviously tells us something. It, it's, it's linked to this faith, four. And then he says, I say to one, go, and he goes to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this. And that's the way it happens. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. So if we can get the centurions, then we are just over Israel, right? Again, I tell you, many will come from the east and west, recline at the table with with, with, the, with the patriarchs in the kingdom, while the sons of the kingdom will be out there in some darkness. And at that stage, they will be weeping and gnashing teeth. They will say, why did I not in my lifetime? Why didn't I? And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Let's start at the beginning. The centurion understood worth, okay? The worth of something. So one of the things that he says is he says, I'm not worthy. But he doesn't say it just, um, I'm not worthy. He goes and he compares. I am not worthy for you to do this thing. So he compares the worth of Jesus, my worth, and it's like, you shouldn't even be noticing me, Jesus. I am not worthy of you even being aware of me. It's like, you don't, like for you to come in my house, it's like, I am not worthy. Now, you must know, this is one of the more senior guys. He's got one of the more beautiful homes in the vicinity. He's dressed better than Jesus. But there's something that he recognizes. And he says, your worth outweighs me so far. I want to, the position that I'm going to take as I come to you is this. Lord, if you're going to help my servant, I'm not worthy that you do it. Um, so, so, um, so, so one of the things that, that the revelation that he's got that we need to imitate is understand the difference in worth. He's very worthy. We are utterly unworthy. A good place for us to start. And maybe that is why there's the second thing. He comes and he understands mercy. So when he comes, he doesn't come like, I deserve you to heal my servant, you know? It's like, Jesus, you're healing everybody. This is why you came. Like, here's my servant. He's unwell. He comes in a position. Can you hear the, the position that he comes? Is Lord, won't you? Won't you have mercy? Won't you be kind to us? Won't you? I, I, I already come with humility in ascribing the worth, but, but, but won't you have mercy? And he comes in that, in that attitude. I'm going to try and cut very fine out. Hear me out on this. Does anybody know what entitlement means? Entitlement. Cassie, what does entitlement mean? Not. No, come on. You've got a right to something. You, you, you. Yeah, I'm entitled to something. Yeah, yeah. So it's this thing, entitlement is an ugly thing. Entitlement is an ugly thing. Now, how does the title deed, which entitles us to things, and entitlement differ? The difference is in the heart attitude. The one is an is a 
ugly, I deserve to have something. The other is an understanding of what God is giving, but having the right posture in receiving it. You understand the difference? The one understands the mercy that you're receiving while you are receiving. So it's not as if you don't say, Lord, here is my faith. I trust you for this. It's not that you don't do that. You're not sorry for yourself in a way, but you understand that what you what you are given is not used, it's not your right. Our right is that we go to hell. That's right. That's what we deserve. Mercy is if God gives us lavishly out of just uh, just the storehouse of life. That's what we that, that, that's what he wants to give. All right. So entitlement is ugly. We don't want that. The title deed is beautiful. We want that. That's the faith. All right. Does it does it make sense or is it confusing? Does it help a little bit? Okay. If it doesn't help, just put it aside. The heart is what it's about. Okay. Um, the, the centurion knew how to honor. He understood honor. He understood worth, understood mercy. He understood honoring. Who was he honoring? To start off with, he was honoring Jesus, right? He was saying, Lord Jesus, and I mean, in, 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 in earthly difference, he was the one that should have received the honor. He's, he's got the shiny armor. He's got the rank. He's got everything. Jesus has got dust on his feet. He's just walking in sandals. He's a nobody. He doesn't even, I mean, like, he's got no credentials, no studies, no backing, nothing. But he says, he says the same than what John the baptizer did. I'm not even worthy to touch you. And he honors. You know that some of Jesus' disciples struggled with this. Okay, when, when, the, when the lady broke the jar, they said, why this waste? Why did they ask the question? They didn't understand the worth. They didn't know how to honor. It was, it was, but the centurion, maybe because he was a little bit further away, he could see like, oh my hat, never has somebody like this walked the earth. And I'm honoring that. All right? We will be good if we posture ourselves in a posture of honor. But who's the other person that the centurion was honoring? His servant. His servant. He actually didn't need to do this much for his servant. And he wasn't ill himself. And he probably had a fair, fair salary, fair amount of money. Servants were available on sale. They were, they were dispensed. If, not, if, not, if he died, he would have bought another one. That's, un, that's the reality. I mean, I'm, I'm not degrading. I'm, I'm speaking like this is, what, this is the, the time in which he was living. It was, a, it was, a, it was a, a commodity. You could buy it. It wasn't his son. It was his servant. But he bestowed honor. He says, I'm going to find Jesus, press through a crowd, humble myself to honor the servant. That centurion understood honoring. He was a extraordinary Roman soldier. So he had to do some kind of job of maybe, a, maybe it really grieved him the job that he had to do. But he had a job to do in, in the Roman army. And then he had a heart to love people. And the lowest probably was his servant. And he honored the servant. We will do well if we understand that. The centurion understood power. Um, 
he uh, was able to, to say, I, it is clear to me that just a word, and my servant will be well. He understood the power that was available. He didn't doubt the kingdom, the spiritual. And maybe some of us are in some situation, and you're not quite sure whether there's power enough available to change your situation. But this morning, if we are aligning ourselves with heaven, there must be something like God is able to exceedingly, abundantly, over and above, ex- like whatever handicap I might be facing. He can make that road through the sea. He can dry up the river. He can, like, and I, and I, and I want us to be, I, I believe we have to be a people that are expecting extraordinary things just because we are coming to an extraordinary God. Does it make sense? The centurion did that. He knew that my servant is dying, but the power is available. Then he understood authority. Now, I don't want to stand still on that because that's probably the most taught subject on this. But the reality is he knew that grace flowed through submission. He knew that Jesus was not somebody on his own mission. He was a submitted man. To whom was Jesus submitted? To the Father. To whom are we submitted? To Jesus, to God, to, but, but, and to one another, to the leadership that God. But if we come to God well, if we understand authority well, it's like we unblock the resources of heaven if we understand authority well. And we should be those who should be saying, Lord, I'm trusting you for X, Y, and Z. Your word will be enough. Your power is available. I also am a man under authority. If that is a problem in your life, if rebellion is a temptation, deal with it. We have to for the sake of the kingdom. All right. Is that still good? That's nice, eh? Oh, what a man. I just love the centurion. What I also like is the centurion understood the value of the word. The centurion wasn't limited to Jesus touching his servant. It's like, Lord, I will humble myself. You can walk over me, but just go and touch my servant or just come to the house or what. He said, all of that is not necessary For I have an understanding of the way that you are functioning. Your power is sufficient when you speak it. There's something we have to understand in the value of words in general and the value of our words. I was reading about Jacob this past week. And and Jacob stole a blessing from his brother. I mean, on the one hand, he deserved it. On the other other hand, he came and 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 he sort of cheated his brother out of a blessing. All right? He said, I'm Esau's father, please bless me. And his father said, that doesn't sound right. You sound like Jacob. No, no, I am Esau. (laughs) Taste and see, father. (laughs) Vertical, vertical. Okay. But, uh, But the point is, the point is, when Esau comes in, He says, Father, he stole it from me. Don't you have a blessing from me? Then his father goes, Isaac goes this. I have sustained him with with heaven. I have given him the gates of his enemies. I have, I'm thinking up things now, but but like I've blessed him. But what does does Isaac say? I say, I've given him this. I've given him that. And I've given him that. And there's nothing left. And then he thinks of something that sort of will comfort Esau. But as I was reading it, I was struck again by Isaac's conviction of the power of his words. He had given Jacob nothing except speaking a blessing over him. But he was so persuaded that it will set the son up for victory 
And that other son who didn't have those words had nothing left. He felt like that which I had, I gave as I spoke, as I blessed. And I was thinking this thing, oh man, I underestimate the value of my blessing and the value of the word. The centurion understood the word, the power in the word. God wants us to understand the power of his word. Three more, then we're done. Who light is it? Am I losing you? Okay, quickly, quickly, quickly. Um, the, the, the centurion understood the value of humility. We know that in this kingdom that we're serving, there's, there, um, God resists and gives grace. Who does he resist? The proud. Gives grace to the humble. If, if you want to attract the grace of God, which is what we're looking for, Make sure there's no pride. We have to make sure. That thing will, I mean, like you will, the, the things that we are trusting for, we will push away again by pride. If we think we deserve them, oh my hat. It's like we will be drawing it close. God, I, I know that your word says, and then like, just the attitude of the heart will say, oh, um, maybe next year, you know. That's <laughs> God, will, God will seriously reconsider the, whatever you're trusting for. Again. The centurion understood liberty. What do I mean with that? Um, liberty means I, I've got freedom. I feel free to speak to you. Now, you must know that the centurion had a number of serious disqualifications um, stacked against him. Okay? Because this healer that he was pursuing now, this, ben this man that was doing the good things, he was that man's enemy. He was that man's people's destroyer. All right? He was, he was not the good guy in the story. He was the guy who was executing maybe some of Jesus' friends. He was not in his good books in theory. And he was a Gentile. Now, you must know that to the Jews, and, the, and that centurion would have understood it, the Jews, in principle, couldn't touch a Roman. It's like it was filthy. It was, you shouldn't even be speaking to them. That was stacked against the centurion. And to some extent, uh, if, if Jesus said, I, I didn't come to anyone but to the lost sheep of Israel, it means like he was disqualified from the mission of Jesus. But through all of that, the centurion pressed, and he took liberty. He understood liberty. And I think some of us, that might be a handicap for us, that we think, I don't deserve the favor of God. I've got these things that disqualify me. I've, I've done this wrong, and, and all that, like, I, I, I'm not worthy of this. We have to take liberty. We have to find something which the centurion found, and approach God boldly while in humility. You know, this, this is balance. The centurion had the balance. We can find that balance too. Lastly, the centurion understood asking. You know that he could have been quiet and hoped that Jesus heard about his servant and hoped that he, he, he could have been intimidated. But he went to the place of, hey, if I don't ask, I, I won't receive. And that's a biblical thing. We have not, the Bible says, because we ask not. Okay. We were designed to live this way of faith. 
And we as a congregation, it fits us like a shoe. It fits us like a glove. It fits us to live by faith. But I think for this moment, there's got to be a response where we say, Lord Jesus, Father in heaven, we believe, help us in our unbelief. You know? There was, a, there was this guy that, that Jesus wanted to help, and he said, do you believe? I can do this. Do you believe? And then this father was this in-between. I do, but maybe not enough. And it might be that for us. If we say, I, I do, but I don't know if I, if I sort of measure up to the centurion. And the cry of the dad was, I believe, help me in my unbelief. This should be our cry. And so for a moment, I want us to respond with an action. If you feel like there's something that you want, like, God, help me to believe, like the centurion. Help me to have great faith. I want us to stand and raise our hands as if you're reaching out to an invisible father, as if you're reaching out, like a child reaching out to his father and say, please pick me up to your level of faith. Because the Bible says we should have the faith of God. God wants to lift us to his level of faith. And as far as I'm concerned, I think all of us can do with a lifting. All right? We can do with a lifting. If you're there, I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. If you're there, I want us to, to stand up. Maybe there's something where you say, God, I've been living by sight, but, I, but I've not been living by faith. I haven't been trusting like I ought to. And, and, and here are the areas where I think you need to, Lord, help me with my humility or help me with my asking or help me with my whatever that thing is that spoke to you as we were looking at the centurion. And let's just mean business. So I'm, I'm, um, and, 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 and just for a minute or two, just mean business with God. And then, I, then I'm, then I'm just going to pray, uh, like close it off for us together. But for a moment, just you and God, just raise your hand and say where you think, God, this is where I need. Okay, we don't need to play a song. We've got a, we've got a guitar coming up. Just, a, just thanks, Barry. Okay, just you and God. Just you and God. This is, this is, this is a moment between you and the Lord. <laughs> 